I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. It is Amy from the Shameless Sex Podcast and... Mm, I have to check on that. Who am I this morning? <laughs> I think last time I checked, I was Daniele Bolelli, uh-huh. uh, Drunken Taoist and uh, History on Fire podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, so two podcasters here to talk about sex and a lot more, yeah. of course. We'll, we'll just get rolling and let's, see where we go. In there. What? Tell me about your podcast. Let's, I'm, I'm curious. I've listened to a couple of episodes, but tell me about the, um, the foundation of this podcast. Like, what is the message? Sure. I think what happened was... Um, I know nothing about podcasting back in like 2011 or so. I had zero knowledge of the field. And just by a random chance, I got a chance to be invited on Joe Rogan podcast because I had uh, I'd written a book at that time. And it was kind of like a real synchronicity thing because Rogan is not exactly easy to get in touch with or mm-hmm. get on with. And so when I got there, that was my introduction, right? I knew nothing about it. I met Redman who was handling all the Rogan stuff beforehand. And he was like, I'm like, podcast? what are we doing exactly? Is it kind of like radio? And he was like, yeah, but you can cast. So I'm like, perfect. Awesome. That works. <laughs> nice. The, so after that, I kind of realized how big the, like the opportunities that something like that creates, mm-hmm. how awesome it was, the fact that we can just plug a microphone in a computer and create any content we want mm-hmm. without needing permission from anybody. So I took about a year being a guest on various podcasts and people were saying, oh, you should start your own. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. In what time? I have zero free time. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. And then eventually things clicked. Uh, Richievers, who's not here today with us, but he like immediately jumped in to help out to try to take care of the editing, take care of co-hosting, take care of all this stuff. So I was like, oh, I guess we're doing a podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started out with that, but Drunken Tao is that kind of uh, Rogan vibe, meaning conversations about anything and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's cool in the sense that you have access to, you know, one day we can talk about sex, one day is sports, one day is philosophy, one day is whatever we are in the mood for, whatever mm-hmm. feels good, we mm-hmm. jump into. Uh, History on Fire, on the other end, is much more narrow in focus. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. I mean, at least as a heading, that's clear because it's a history podcast. So mm-hmm. it's just research-driven. I read more books than anybody should read and then try to condense it in a way to keep it... Because most of these books are good sources of information, but they are not exactly fun to read. Mm. So my job is to take out all the little gold nuggets from it and put it together in a narrative that people actually want to listen to. You make make it uh, easier for people. Mm -hmm. The whole point is then to make history look like, you know, you're watching Game of Thrones and you're (laughs) at the edge of your seat going, what happens next? History can be exciting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. So those are the two that I've been playing with. Okay. Um, You're clearly have more of a history on fire approach, meaning more of a single topic, and mm-hmm. then you branch to other things. Mm-hmm. But how long ago did you start? What was your... 
We've only had our podcast for a little over a year, uh-huh. um, and it was something that, so I have it with April, who's not here. We love you, April. We miss you. She's currently uh, stuck in a booth selling uh, male masturbation sleeves uh, at a trade show, a sex toy trade show. It's a terrible life. And um, we've been really good friends for 12 or 13 years now. We met in a restaurant together. We were working in a restaurant. I always knew I was going to work in the sex industry, specifically open up an adult store, mm-hmm. which I did. It's called Pure Pleasure in Santa Cruz. Uh, and we met over a conversation of her talking about being spanked the night before at a party. <laughs> and I instantly knew I loved her. I was like, oh my God, I love you. And um, we've been super close, like soul sister status, where it's just instantly, it feels like there's something beyond us in that friendship. And um, and, and if, you, if you hear us, we're also different in a way where I'm a little more calm and grounded. And she's like me on steroids. Uh, so she's just ball of energy and awesome and she she really helps to raise me up and get me like just charged <laughs> um, so yeah I just like feed off of her but we the podcast was we, we've always known that we were going to do some sort of creative project together had no idea what it was um, then we both started working in the sex toy industry she's a VP of sales for a company called Hot Octopus now so she's just and she's just a powerhouse and um yeah, we went on another podcast called Sex with Emily. She's down here. It's one of the bigger sex podcasts mm-hmm. and uh, loved our dynamic on there. It just worked really well. It's like yin and yang um, and just decided. And we were both single at the time, too. We're like, we're single. We're empowered. Let's start a podcast. Yeah. Um, and we did. And it's been great. It's been, I mean, it's just, it's just constantly growing. It's very surprising. When I hear about the numbers for your, to be considered some of the top podcasts, mm-hmm. like we've surpassed those after only you know six months or something. Sweet. Um, so, th- so people are liking our dynamic mm-hmm. and what we're doing, and it's while it's mostly around sexuality, you know, it's very much also around relationships sure. and um, yeah, and intimacy and all of that too. So there'll be more like juicy topics and more like risky, risque stuff, and then there'll be more like okay, so this is how you communicate with your partner lovingly and. Um, so try to keep it really diverse and have something for everyone and be as, right. as gender and orientation inclusive. And um, in my background, I'm a sex educator and I'm a sex and relationship coach. And I also own the sex shop and I work for the lube company. I brought you guys a bottle of lube, Uber lube. <laughs> you have homework later. You will play. Yeah. <laughs> the best lube ever. And, and so I just wear a lot of hats in the sex industry and I love that. I just, obviously that's my passion. Right. Sexuality, specifically shame and not that I love shame, but working with shame mm-hmm. and all the layers and, uh, that we get o- over time that really is like this armor that gets in the way of us really fully expressing ourselves as sexual beings. So I love this like is it de-armoring, right? Like inspiring the unraveling of the onion yeah. so that we can get into the core and, and figure out like, who are we as, an, as a sexual being? Because like, it's different from the next person. Yeah, which is... I guess, I mean, you have thought about this topic probably a million times, mm-hmm. but so what's your feeling as far as, because uh, I mean, yeah, one can talk about religious backgrounds and Puritan stuff and all of that for why that is, but it's like, because when you think about it, it's like, why should anybody be ashamed of their sexuality? It's yeah. kind of like, it's who you are. It's, mm-hmm. What's the big deal? It's like, it doesn't seem like there should be, you yeah. know, from a purely, if you look at it from, if you forget human history, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be. You yeah, know, it doesn't like, make sense. You're mm-hmm. a happy animal. That's how yeah. it is. Um, yeah. What do you think creates this? What do you think is at the roots of this stuff? Uh, why, or in your experience talking to people, mm-hmm. what is that people bring up when you kind of like dance around the topic and figure out a connection between, you know, why is there this sense of shame attached to sexuality, at least in the experience of many people? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I think sexuality is the easiest thing to target and control Mm -hmm. of communities, of individuals. Um, and also it's the, like the people, it's almost the easiest thing to hurt in someone you to Mm -hmm. attack and wound, um, and to break someone down. And so I think for a long time, and that's, you know, part of like what some of what religion has done too, um, and even outside of religion, there's just been that, that, you know, that, that aspect of where people are using that as the modality to control and hurt people, of course, um, consciously and unconsciously. And so I, I think that that's just when it comes to religion and a lot of the things that are you just these concepts and ideas and rules. Or and sometimes I mean some of us are living by those and we're not even religious, right? Mm-hmm. We don't even know okay. we're living by them, but it's still it's part of the culture, right? Yeah, you right. absorb it without even knowing, of course. But I think the original piece was we need to create these rules to control people. And to make sure that they either have more babies because we want more babies or less babies because we don't want sure. that. Um, and they do it in a specific way so it stays safe or I don't even know, like survival, so diversifies the genetic code, although no one I don't think really makes rules for that. That's just helpful. Um, so, yeah, I think it really just comes from that, this this just desire to control and mm-hmm. also to control that which is scary, right? Because sexually empowered people, like people are all orgasmic and yeah. ooh, you know, it almost looks like witchcraft, right? They're like having transcendent experiences, leaving their bodies um, can be scary for people and almost like we need to put that under wraps because that's a lot. And I completely get that. And I understand. I mean, I, I agree 110% with what you're saying in terms of, yeah, if you want to control somebody, mm-hmm. if you want to, what's the easiest way to break somebody's self-esteem? Mm-hmm. Definitely take something that's a huge part of the human experience, make mm-hmm. them feel ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And then only you have the cure, Yeah, right? Exactly. It's like you are a bad sinner mm-hmm. and, but, but we'll take care. you can still be okay if yeah. you follow our steps, uh-huh. right? Perfect. Mm-hmm. The question, though, to me is, there has to be something there to begin with, mm-hmm. to have a vulnerability in that spot so that somebody can work on it and manipulate you. Totally. Because if you don't have a vulnerability, like if somebody comes to you and try to make you feel ashamed about stuff that you have, you're totally cool with, mm-hmm. they can try all, the, all they want. Nothing's going to stick. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like telling you... You are told that's a bad thing. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You know, it's not going to bother you. Yeah. It's not. So for somebody to be able to get under your skin and to get to work on your, your insecurities, mm-hmm. that means that those insecurities have to be there to begin with. And then these people exploit them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's part two of my question is where do those insecurities Come from, come from mm-hmm. before people start laying a whole shame baggage attached with the religious ideology and other mm-hmm. things. Well, so I always like to use the example of looking at little two-year-olds, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're little pleasure seekers. All they want to do is what feels good. This feels good. I'm going to rub it on my genitals. This feels good. I'm putting it in my mouth. And yeah. anything that doesn't feel good, they don't want it. Uh-huh. It's, it's like the ultimate tantric living, right? They're all present in the moment and they're just using the body's senses for yumminess. And if it's not yummy, they don't want it. And then... People, society gives them all the shoulds and should nots, mm-hmm. all the rules. So I don't think that someone has to already have like that. I feel like that's the original piece of where the insecurities and things come in. When someone says, hey, just so you know, but when you do that, you're not normal. When you do mm-hmm. that, you won't be loved. When you do that, you're in trouble. You're bad. Um, whereas I feel like before that, unless they have like trauma from the womb, being in the womb, sure. because that does happen or trauma sure. from being an infant, that happens too. Um, but otherwise, if they had like the most clean, you know, be, you know, they're the cleanest fetus and yeah. the fetus and cleanest baby born. It's to me, it's it's that that time when they ha- figure out, okay, I live in society. 
and people are telling me I have to be a certain way. So I need to turn down or turn up certain parts of myself. And then that's internalized. Mm -hmm. And I just, I honestly don't think it's avoidable. Mm. And, 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 and again, I don't think it has to be And of course it can be, if someone already has things like some trauma, then it's much easier to, for, for them to internalize the shame and trauma. But um, yeah, I think it's really just those messages because deep down everyone wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be in community and be yeah. accepted. But if the message is, if you do this or don't do this, you're not loved or accepted, people start to conform. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's just that. It's just, the, so in, and it's constantly coming at us in so many ways. So in that sense, it may not even be specific to sex at all. It may be insecurities Anything, in general because they are just life, you know, interactions mm-hmm. with other people. The fact that you have to yes. kind of sometimes limit yourself for the sake of living in a tight-knit group with other people and that kind of game starting at least in some people creating insecurities that then you can focus narrowing on sexuality and that will transfer on yeah and sex again is i mean when you think of sex especially if you think of like penetrative sex Mm -hmm. right it's like the most vulnerable connected and sometimes disconnected while there's still bodies connected Mm -hmm. thing and that one of the most vulnerable things that, that two bodies can or more can share mm-hmm. together, you know, as a receiver, you know, someone or something is inside of you. Um, how many other ways do you get to experience that? And so it just it just makes it an extra loaded topic and experience sure. in terms of the way that we experience it and and think about it. I mean, I, I honestly think like the receiving bodies, you know, Volvo owners, it's um, it's. The vulnerability, I think, is even up a notch for them mm-hmm. as, or in, and of course, there are receivers who are not Volvo owners too. So, um, but it's just, I mean, yeah, some, like someone or something is inside my body. Right. Other, because that never happens otherwise, unless I'm personally doing that with, you know, an object or putting food in my mouth. But otherwise, it's just, it, it's really an intense experience. Mm-hmm. And not everyone thinks of it that way. I remember when I was younger and I hadn't had sex yet, and I just, I was already had the kind of more open mind, and I was like, virginity, you know, I hear these stories about it being a special thing and a gift. I don't think it needs to be that. Um, and and then I ended up uh, having my first sexual experience with someone that was a childhood best friend, which was great in that sense, except they broke up with me a week later, and so that was kind of traumatic. <laughs> and, that timing? Yes. Yeah. And what I will say is after having that, ex- that experience, I really do think... It doesn't need to be looked at as this like special gift because it probably isn't going to be that. Sure. It's probably not going to be a okay. perfectly wonderful experience. Um, and I just I do think that there's there is a, there's a deep vulnerability there that is being shared that I wish I had valued more in that in in my mm-hmm. first experience and um, and yeah I just it just it's just, how more how much more I mean there's other ways we can be vulnerable we can be vulnerable without even touching. And when we add touch to it, it just changes things. What do you mean when you say, I wish I had been more aware of it? Um, I wished that I, first, I, I wish that I went in it with more empowerment, with mm-hmm. less of this, um, you know, this di- I was a little dismissive of it being some sort of sure. this, like, eh, you know, this is not a big deal because it actually was pretty traumatic to have someone that I shared this very vulnerable experience yeah. with a week later say, I don't not sure. really don't want to, I don't really don't want to see you anymore. Yeah. And then, you know, it comes with these abandonment things and it of course is somehow related to sexuality of because of how that happened. Um, 
And, and so I wish that how I had gone about it was just holding it with a little more reverence, reverence. again, not like this special gift, like sure. that, you know, like the, yeah, yeah. You know, the church says, I got it. Yeah. But just like, there's it it a little sacredness to it. But it's tricky though, because I mean, I, I agree it, right. Mm-hmm. I get it. But yeah. at the same time is that a sense of empowerment mm-hmm. comes from experience. Of course. <laughs> and now yeah. you get this, it's like the catch 22, right? Yeah. When you apply for a job that is like, yeah. yeah, you need to have the experience in order to apply. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, how do I get there? Because in order to have the experience, I need, I need you to say yes. It's like, yeah, you it's can't just create thing. it. It's like, you know, in that scenario, you get the empowerment from becoming confident and comfortable with the experience. Mm-hmm. But of course, how do you get the experience to begin with without the trauma and the yeah. difficulty? And well, the knowledge is a part of it too. But like I, what you're saying is more of the experiential practice of it is, mm-hmm. of course, much more beneficial. And that's that trial and error piece. But to go into it with more knowledge, like I, while I was raised in a very open household where my mom told me, you know, two years before mm-hmm. I was even sexually active, she's like, if you want to get in birth control, just come to me. And so I knew that sex wasn't shameful, but there weren't a lot of conversations around pleasure. Sure. And I think that's common for everyone, um, all genders. And I think especially for women, we live in a very penis centric sure. culture. Uh, it's interesting. I like a lot of the clients I work with it is so common for um, women to think it's more important, male pleasure is more important, mm-hmm. that sex is actually for them. This oh. is still happening. Young people and, you know, people in, who are 20 and people who are 30. Seriously? Yeah, baffles me. Wow. And I think that this is more common than not. But, th- but this is, again, because there's no conversations around that. So the empowerment could come from uh, if that were there, if that were on the table when someone was, you know, 10 years old mm-hmm. and said, <clears throat> you know, Pleasure between two bodies is a mutual experience. Mm-hmm. Like both bodies are capable of it, and I don't want to say necessarily entitled, but um, it's a mutual. It's yeah, mutual, totally. of course. And it, yeah, there's no hierarchy there, and so yeah, I'm just, I'm just constantly blown away, and it's it's actually really frustrating to me. I, I get kind of angry sometimes, and like, really, they're still we're still thinking mm-hmm. this. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, that is trippy. Mm-hmm. But the scenario you described, <clears throat> I think, is actually very typical uh-huh. because you know most of the time you're gonna have people who are. You know, you have heard about it 72,000 times, so you have built it up in your head a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the experience, like, if I tell you, whatever, this movie is going to be the greatest movie you've ever seen, mm-hmm. and I tell you that for, like, three years in a row and you finally watch it, I can get, doesn't matter what movie it is, you're yeah. going to watch it and go, like, eh, it's yeah. okay. Uh-huh, <laughs> you know? yeah, great, yeah. It's like, because you just build it up too much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like something like sex, forget it. It's going to be, of course, uh, there's this idea, in fact, of, like, first time being mm-hmm. this not gonna be and no accept it that it's yeah. not gonna be just it's gonna probably be awkward yeah. it's like be cool with the fact that it's not gonna be probably not the second or third or yeah. fourth or fifth but, or maybe for 10 years right yeah. but by time number 37 yeah. maybe you are good you yeah, know maybe you start yeah. exactly mm-hmm. but it's like i think that's also part of it is that's why i'm i completely get what you're saying i agree you know mm-hmm. there is uh, you don't want to be dismissive for sure and consider it like oh not a big deal no it is a big deal of mm-hmm. course but at the same time the more you make it a big deal the more people will be hyped up in their head and yeah. it's going to be like the potential for things to go south get even more, you know? Well, and that's the piece with taboos too. The more you say, make something, you know, don't do this, this is yeah. not a good thing. The more a lot of people want it too. Mm-hmm. They're more of likely course. to do it, right? So, and that's, I mean, that's the case for so many aspects of sexuality. It just heightens it. You know, there's yeah. that part of like, well, you know, we habituate to things and it makes us so we get 
more used to something, then the other side is like the more you pull something away and take it off the table, like, oh, I need that now. Yeah. I'm going to try that. And it makes it extra hot. And you can use, put that as like spank bank material. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. What about, so you, so you grew up in Italy. Uh-huh. So what, how has sex approached there? Like what is the general mm. feeling, com- I guess compared to American yeah. culture? I mean, one thing that's different, not specific to sex, but about just touching and physicality there's a lot more of that for sure so there isn't just the you know you never touch each other and then there's sex Mm -hmm. it's a lot more of a physical culture Mm -hmm. people greet each other kissing each other on the cheek Mm -hmm. there's people hug each other all the time men i I was always kind of freaked out when i came to us that i would see guys Mm -hmm. hugging each other Mm -hmm. because there would be these like Harm in between, you know, clasping hands. Let's create some distance with our bodies mm. and then the three pats hug, on the yeah. back. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's not even a hug. Yeah. It's like either give me a hug or don't give me a hug. It's like a handshake with the body. Yeah, that's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. That just looks, looks silly, you mm-hmm. know. And I was like, oh, there are some weird things about that are different on a cultural level, you mm-hmm. know. But so that part I like a lot about Italian culture, the, the physicality of it, mm-hmm. the fact that there's a lot of it. The, um, in terms of sex specifically, I don't think it's necessarily like the attitude about it is that much better than mm-hmm. in the US. Okay. It seems fairly similar in terms of very... There definitely is this sense of like a lot of emphasis on kind of uh, guys mm-hmm. being sort of aggressive in their, oh, I want it now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's, there's a ton of like, even if you, like for me as a guy, hanging out with women friends on the street, mm-hmm. man, you can never relax. And you can only imagine what it is like for mm-hmm. the woman because there's always somebody talking to them and being aggressively flirting, which is not flirting. You're just being an asshole. Kind yeah. of thing. And, <laughs> you know, things like that where you're like, Jesus Christ, man, I understand you like her. Relax mm-hmm. a little and mm-hmm. don't be a dick about it, mm-hmm. you know. And instead there's a lot of that in Italy for sure there's a lot of that in a bunch of places you yeah know, it's like but in that sense Italy is no different mm-hmm. um, there is uh, as even though I mean technically Italy is a super Catholic country in reality it's not because the vast majority of people could not care less mm-hmm. you know maybe they say like years later you find out they put they check the Catholic box mm-hmm. but I'm like You've never gone to church yeah. in the last 10 years. You've never, nothing in your life has anything to do with it. How mm. are you? So even though you read the statistics that is like 90% Catholic, the reality is not like that mm. at all, right? Mm. However, as you were saying earlier, some of those ideas pervade the culture. So you can never go to church. You can never have it as part of your daily life. You may never, but still, some of those concepts are still around which is why I think a discussion like what you're having about the concept of shame, I think is something that people really just, they suck it up with the culture. It's something mm-hmm. that gets ingrained in them from very early on, and they may not even know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And again, it may not be strictly religious education. It may be the TV shows you watch or the vibe you get from, you know, you kind of get the message from 10,000 different sources. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes almost natural even though it's not natural at all. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a conditioning of your culture. And I think that's why, the, I think it was Chris Ryan who calls mm-hmm. it the, the shame exorcist. Yes, uh-huh, that's awesome. Yeah, I that's love that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful concept, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I agree with you completely that that's the one thing in terms of personal self-esteem that if you clear that out, oh man, it's like everything else becomes easier. You yeah. Know? But that kind of stuff is so heavy for so many people mm-hmm. and they carry it all their life. 
make it 10 times easier to manipulate them Mm -hmm. because they have this deep-seated insecurity about something that's so basic about their life. They are going to be... Like, I look at it politically. Like, right now, I see kind of the rise of dictators around the world. There's, like, dictatorial figure who have this charismatic, Mm -hmm. I'm the strong man, I'll take care of business. To me, it's like, if you're confident, you never listen to an asshole like that. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. because it's like their act is so obvious it's so clear that they are playing on your insecurities and your fears mm-hmm. that if you don't have them that guy looks just like a clown it's mm-hmm. like come on why would you listen to him but the fact is so many people have those insecurities mm-hmm. and because objectively it's hard to get rid of them once they have been instilled in you for so long that then i see it applying even to politics mm-hmm. i see it apply to so many other things because ultimately it's just it's about insecurities which are basic human thing it's just mm-hmm. at the roots of our psychology yeah so i find that it applies to a lot of things yeah not just to one aspect it, it's your whole life is affected by this stuff well and, and shame also is a teacher mm-hmm. right like you know without shame then we don't know what we don't know what the freedom is you mm-hmm. know what's on the other side of that so um it's not to say i don't think anyone will ever be completely completely clear of shame and, and it's not something I know that you know, I love that Chris Ryan's a sex or a shame exorcist. Yeah. He's not a sex exorcist. Yeah, well, no, that maybe, would be maybe weird. You, yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah, he might be. I don't know. Um, and and there's the part of of seeing that okay, this is the experience that I had. It's part of my story. Mm-hmm. I'm not attaching to the story. I'm doing the work so that it doesn't feel like this weight on my shoulders. Um, and what did it teach me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I need these experiences and maybe not the like most traumatic ones, but I need to, to experience a little bit of shame and a little bit of that challenge of being so that I can um, really learn more about who I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's all part of the ego game of a deeper understanding of who I really am. And of course, I'll never know what that is, but... Um, yeah, so there's there's like there's one the beauty of shame, you know. There's there's a little bit of that, and as little shame as possible, mm-hmm. the you know the better. That's of course, yeah. That's the way. So no, definitely, because yeah, in that sense is um, it's funny too. I notice it in so many aspects. Like for example, for for me doing the history podcast, I teach history in college. I've been doing it, you know, that field for a long time, and sometimes it's puzzling because I read so many history texts. And they talk about war 72% of the time. They Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, it's all these very, some of the key aspects of what makes life fun, take something like sex, Mm -hmm. it's hardly ever discussed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Barely. Mm -hmm. The last few years, kind of, you know, maybe the last 30 years or so, you see that happening slightly more, slightly Mm -hmm. being the key word. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they have the discussion of entire society's history, culture, everything, and never mention sex. Yeah. And Mm. you're like, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that's kind of, I mean, think about like how many people over a 50 year period in any given society are going to end up in war? Mm. Not that many. Yeah, traumatic experience. Yes, a big deal. But in terms of how many minutes you spend in your life in those 50 years, it's not that much. Mm. Uh, how many are going, how, how, for how many people, sex is going to be a huge part of their day to day life? Mm. Pretty much everybody. Uh-huh. And yeah, you don't talk it. about that, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's not a topic, whereas something like the big battle is the topic. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
That's just weird. Yeah. That just seems bizarre to mm-hmm. me. Um, I love learning about and you know in different cultures and different times and and you know what was what was sexuality then uh-huh. and and how watching that how that's changed over time and of course you know we don't necessarily know everything about how it was you know two thousand years ago sure. and just even listening to the different ideas of what that is um, because. It's just a constant reminder that it's all contextual. It's all based on time and location. And I love that. I love the reminder that it's always changing and mm-hmm. it's it's different everywhere and it's different for time. And yet people get so stuck in thinking that their time and their way is the way, has always been the way, and is, is what everything should be. Um, and and I, it's, it's, I think it's more common than not, that mm-hmm. belief. And it's so limiting it's just people just get stuck and when I talk about things like this that there you know there's different ways and it was different 100 years ago it's going to be different in 100 years and it's different in the next country and um, and in the next city people their their system almost can't uh can't really digest that Mm -hmm. Um, not everyone but that I think that is common people they just it doesn't settle well yeah my experience is the experience. And, I, of course, that's what leads to a lot of things like homophobia and all of that. You know, I don't understand it. It's not my experience, so it must not be right. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it, that was another thing that really bumped me out, too. <laughs> no, and I think it's, even when people pay lip service to it, like, oh, yeah, of course, this is not, I don't take this for granted. I understand that people are, the, it's like, no, you really don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, you're a product of your culture, and it's really hard to try to step out of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, which, which I think is one of the things that I find fascinating about history. Uh, putting myself, for me, is an imagination game. It's like, what would it be like to be in that situation, in that place, living through that person's? Mm-hmm. Like, what would the world look like through that person's mm-hmm. eyes? What would their day-to-day experience be like? What would be? Because ultimately, we got the same biology that hasn't changed. So the basic things of life are going to be the same in all cultures. Mm-hmm. But how we interpret them is going to be very different. Mm-hmm. How you go about it is going to be very different. So you're going to have the same impulses, but how you act on them changes completely from place to place, mm-hmm. from time to time. And uh, sometimes people tell me they think I'm joking because sometimes when uh, a few times when people are asking, "Oh, what got you into history?" You know, I have my polite, uh, don't know the people kind of answer. And mm-hmm. I have my more real answer that to me was like, was great masturbation material. It was like <laughs> the fantasy of it all, of like what you create with the fantasy of mm. uh, uh, being, makes it 10 times more mentally exciting mm-hmm. because you are creating a story, right? You are creating this image, you're creating. So there's a whole other side to it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, quick, pass me the history book. Get mm-hmm. me, because it's fun, right? It's, and people think, oh, haha, funny joke. I'm like, no, no ser- actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's what I For mean, real. you know. Is, but, and I think that to me is, uh, like, that's why I never even, I, history wasn't even my major, right? Mm-hmm. I did something else, and then I kind of stumbled on it, realizing that that's what, throughout my life, I've been interested. Like, as a kid, I was reading history books that were, like, tailored for kids with the drawing and the stuff and the images. And, and that was awesome, because I would be like, hmm, I see this image what's like to be this character mm-hmm. in the story doing this and that? Who would I be into? If I'm uh, attracted to this one, how would I go about it? What would I... That to me is what brought history to life mm-hmm. rather than being, you know, who's king in 637, which mm-hmm. is like, who cares? You know, you can be the most accurate history in the world, but it's really not that interesting to me as a human being. Mm-hmm. That game is fun. Mm-hmm. It's immersive. It's uh, your whole persona getting into not just who won what war, which again, not mm-hmm. really that relevant or important. 
So that part to me is where uh, the whole thing gets juicy. It mm. gets fun. It's, uh, Do you think that, okay, so as someone who um, loves, you have a lot of experience in reading history and, and getting into the story uh-huh. aspect, getting really involved in it. Do you think that that has, and you, and you made the great masturbation material comment, do you think that that practice of that makes it so that you are able to go into fantasy, more elaborate fantasies easier compared to the average person who doesn't have that? So, totally. Yeah, so you can just go drift off and like, ooh, I have endless amounts of spank bank material. It's not just one limited scene. Like, what, totally, what, oh, exactly, but, which makes it that's exciting. so much more fun. That's fun. Yeah. You probably have all kinds of elaborate, sexy Game of Thrones things going on. Of course, in there. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah. That's what it is, right? And to me, it's like it applies, I mean, of course it applies to sex, but it applies to everything else as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's imagination. Mm-hmm. It's 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 essentially weight training for your imagination mm-hmm. that you're doing. That's what to me history was mm-hmm. all my life. It was never an academic, you know, study this narrow topic about the social economics of it's like, yeah, that's great, good mm-hmm. information to have. But I'm interested it really becomes an imagination exercise and even an empathy exercise, because you are trying to put yourself into the head of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And playing that game, of course great masturbation material because mm-hmm. your fantasies get wildly elaborate you can do get, anything yeah and they get really vivid mm-hmm. which is what makes it 10 times more exciting and more fun yeah. compared to just purely the act of masturbation okay yeah that feels good whatever yeah, just but, rubbing one out right yeah. but the act <laughs> plus everything else like the act is almost the last part of the game it's mm-hmm. like it's everything else that you built around it that's fun that makes it exciting I, and I uh, it's interesting because I always thought that for, I know folks that fantasy is really hard for them and I always just thought it was more like a shame block you know it's, mm-hmm. it's just scary to go in there they don't and and but there's also this other component that you're saying here that I really like it's I mean it's a practice mm-hmm. and you, I think of like you know when we're kids my imagination was so wild I was like I had rape fantasies when I was 10 and I don't have um specific sexual trauma related to sure. that and I think I saw a scene on um I think it was like Melrose Place or something right. and I was a little also 10 year old mild stuff too, very right, mild yeah softcore it was just... turned on by this right. and um, and my imagination would run wild. Then I, be- as an adult, it became harder to access that, mm-hmm. that part of my imagination. It's almost like, you know, a rusty wheel just trying to crank it. Sure. And um, I, so I like that. It's not only is it the, the shame pieces, but also there's just like the practice of it. And the more that you actually practice using your imagination creatively, the better the spank bank material. <laughs> exactly. It applies yeah. to everything else mm-hmm. as well as that, of yeah. course, because it's like it's storytelling. Right. Mm-hmm. If you ask a bunch, most kids can tell some kind of stories, but the ones who work on it, mm-hmm. they become awesome storytellers mm-hmm. and they come up with a great story at the drop of a dime. Right. As you do it less and less as you grow up, unless you keep up with it, that it's like it, it's a muscle. It's mm-hmm. like anything else. It start atrophying. It's, it's not going to be there that much. Mm-hmm. So if you ask the average person to come up with some cool, great story, they would have no idea how to do it mm-hmm. because they just never do it in their life. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have an imagination and a fantasy when it comes to storytelling in general, of course you're not going to have it in that aspect of your life either. Yeah. It's going to be very just meat and potato, very black and white kind of thing. There's not... So to me, yeah, it's uh, it's a storytelling game. Mm-hmm. It's an imagination game. It's... Uh, and like anything else, if you don't practice it, you're not going to have it. And it's not, yeah. you know, just a gift from the sky that either mm-hmm. you have it or you don't. Is you put in the time and you quickly see the rewards. There it is. Everything yeah. gets more vivid and intense. Do you have any specific fantasies you're working with right now? They are all, <laughs> they are all very, most of the tales are kind of, you know, they are sort of the, the classic tales that I dig in all the stories mm-hmm. that I love, mm-hmm. right? A lot of my images, most of the story that I like is never contemporary stuff, is never recent stuff. I don't care that much for it. 
I like to sort of go back in time in the weirder the context the better, <laughs> from like tribal life mm-hmm. as uh, hunters and gatherers 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Everyone Nature sharing partners. And yeah, that, uh-huh, right? Yeah. And there's the, mm-hmm. yeah, or like, yeah, you read, for example, uh, you read certain things, like in anthropology, you read about, you know, a bunch of tribal culture, how um, people are sometimes from different tribes, they have a friendly relation, they trade with each other, mm-hmm. so-and-so goes to the other village to trade, and these customary and again i'm not generalizing about all tribal cultures because mm-hmm. that's not the case but in some culture there is this thing of like they go there and some some person of the opposite sex from uh, the from the other tribe will just come in and sleep with you mm-hmm. they may be in a relationship they may be parents they may be whatever but it's kind of like oh hospitality yeah. it's our good friend from the other this one this is how we welcome here is uh, <laughs> some food and let's go have sex and it's kind of like which of course to the modern mind in yeah. US today sound oh like yeah. what yeah. what are you saying it's mm-hmm. like something like that mm-hmm. both hilarious and exciting yeah. you know from a cultural standpoint it's hilarious because you go like wait Time out. Mm-hmm. What just happened there? Mm-hmm. But from a fantasy scenario, it's like, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a perfect fantasy. I'll go with that. Yeah, that sounds fun. You know? mm-hmm. So things like that, that you run into um, in, in the reading you run into and you start seeing these things that are different enough, that are wild, and yet recognizable enough that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know? They are not going into some really weird thing where you're like, okay, that I don't find that exciting. That's just weird. You guys are scary kind of thing. Yeah. You know, where it's just something that like, okay, I can see that. I it's not my experience, but I can stretch my mm-hmm. mind going there, you know. I feel like I need That's, some new spank bank material because I think I use like the same exact scene and over it's, and it's over, over and, and over. over. It's like this very specific thing, this very specific thing that's happening in the, like position and everything. And it's literally only like you know, 10 seconds worth of material that I'm you know, just, yeah, just like re, yeah, replaying over and over again. And it totally works for me. And so when I'm, you know, when I'm sitting down for some self-pleasure, I'm like, oh, okay, what am I going to use today? I'm like, play yeah. one, replay over and over again. <laughs> and it continues to work. And I understand that humans love newness. And so while, we, yeah, I'm, I'm having great orgasms with that spank bank material. And I bet I could have even more powerful ones with something super juicy and of new. Course. And yeah. it just takes... Uh, me creating that, you know, it takes work. I think yeah. that should be a thing for your listeners. Mm-hmm. That would be throw it out there. Everybody should start sending out mm-hmm. or post them somewhere or something their top three fantasies. Yeah, what, are, what are the images? Yeah, yeah. so we can borrow uh, each other's. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like, hey, I like that one. Yeah. That's Ooh. not a bad one. I'm going to try it on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just try yeah. it on. Okay, not my thing. Try this other one. Ooh, that's really hot. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I like that. All right, everyone. So if you want to send us your fantasies, please do. <laughs> Get your own mark done. Uh-huh. That's yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, just help inspire other people. And, and that's really part of it is we're stuck in our own process. And a lot of it's, you know, what we've experienced, but then we hear something else that's just like you know, unfathomable, but still you feel something in your genitals mm-hmm. when you hear it. And, and yeah, it just, it just takes that exploration, right. but people aren't having those conversations. Like we're talking about it now, right. but it's not, it's not very common for people to be like, Hey friends, so what, what are your fantasies? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Okay. I'd like to ask this to you. So, um, do you talk about sex with your friends often? Is this a regular thing you do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. And I feel, and I, I do obviously with my friends. And part of that is, I inspire that, obviously, uh-huh. but um, everything from the really hard stuff to the really great stuff, and it's just like, 
the same conversation as how are you would be like, so what's new in your sex life? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where the, the, you know, the nuggets come in. That's like the gold is of inspiration, um, feeling heard, feeling like, oh, I'm not alone and mm-hmm. all of that too. But people are just avoiding those conversations often. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that shame idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're not we supposed to talk, about, talk it. about it. Don't exactly. talk about it. And it's like, to me, it's very... I mean, I understand that it, it, it's not that I'm that concept is foreign to me because like, we all grow up with that stuff all around us, right? Mm-hmm. So it, the process of uh, getting rid of it is a process. It takes time. It's not something that happened overnight. Mm-hmm. But like to me, somebody asks me now is like, why should you ever avoid a topic? Why should it be a topic that is like we don't talk about that? Mm-hmm. Shh, hush, It's like, why, man? Are we still stuck in that? I mean, what's the point? Yeah. And, and so I kind of have fun with it because to me is. Um, I bring it up in context where probably people shouldn't bring it up, you know, mm-hmm. and they ask me about it. And exactly, it's like, why did you get into history? It's, oh, it's great for masturbation. Like, what? <laughs> what does that out? mean? Yeah. What? I'm going to read more history like, books now. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the, um, so, yeah, I, one of my old time idols, for example, speaking of history, is this guy from the 1400s who was a um, Japanese Zen monk, which doesn't sound like the most sexually driven yeah. point to start mm-hmm. with. But he was hilarious. Savannah did this amazing illustration of it. I'll show it to you later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ikkyu Sojun. He was uh, the illegitimate son of the emperor of Japan. He, his mom, to avoid having him getting killed in some palace conspiracy, put him in a Zen monastery when he was five years old, saying, hey, he's going to be a monk. He doesn't want anything to do with the title emperor or nothing. Just please don't kill him. Thanks. He grows up in it, and he's incredibly bright. So his grasp of Zen Buddhism is super good. And precisely because it's super good, he can't stand the establishment of what Zen Buddhism has become. He's really turned off by them. And the things that are, the three things that are the most important in his life, where all of his writings, all of his vibe is about, are Zen, sex, Mm. and booze. (laughs) He really likes to drink, he really likes women, and And he's Zen. And he even has this thing, like when he's an old guy at one point, they say... um, he, he gathers some of the people who are following him and they're like, you know, after I'm going to be dead, I know some of you are going to take to the mountains and meditate. Mm. Some of you are going to just have lots of sex with lots of women. Mm-hmm. Both types of Zen are good with me. <laughs> but if you become a professional cleric and start blabbing about Zen as the way, then you're my enemy. Oh, and I well. thought it was genius, yeah, right? I love that. There's mm-hmm. this thing that... His whole approach is uh, refusing that distinction between the sacred and the profane. And it's inclusivity know. too, right? Exactly. Yeah, there's it's not. Like it's yeah. life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, life. there's not just one way. Yeah, yeah, and that the profane is sacred and the sacred is profane. It's, yeah. Precisely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you do it in a way that if you're not an asshole about it, yeah. if you're not abusive, because you always hear p- stories about what people preach and what people do being two different things. Mm-hmm. Whereas in my mind, instead, if you are, if you actually lived up to your ideals. If you actually were honest with yourself, first and foremost, mm-hmm. you know, it's the classic story. What was it? That guy, uh, Ted uh, Haggard, whatever the name guy, uh, the head of like this evangelical organization, uh. the evils of masturbation, the evils of homosexuality, busted doing crystal meth with a gay hooker, <laughs> which is like, come on, man. It's yeah. like, maybe you didn't have to go that far. Yeah. You know, maybe you could have just been a little more open and you could have lived up to it and you mm. didn't have this... Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, yeah. you know, you could have Fighting been... who, what's really inside. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, because then when you repress it, then it merges in unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. to each their own, but 
just hearing about it, crystal meth with a gay hooker does yeah. not sound like the healthiest approach possible. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, I've heard better ways to express your sexuality. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. And so to me, it's like, that's, that's what I dig about EQ. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's completely unashamed in, this is who I am. I'm not going to be an asshole about it. I'm going to mm-hmm. be nice to the people that I want to have sex with. But, yeah. but it's also just sex. Yeah. It's where it's at. Exactly. You know? And I'm like, oh. Okay, that's mm-hmm. so refreshing. It, yeah. it shouldn't be, right? It should be normal. Mm-hmm. But because we're so conditioned to very different models, seeing somebody like that is like, ah, yeah. that's refreshing. Yeah, you know? it is. It, it really is. like, ah. Yeah. So I did this painting, um, I'll show you later, where mm-hmm. there's like, there's a, a naked lady pouring wine that's falling off her body and there's EQ just drinking the wine that's falling off her boob. It's, awesome. I, I've never seen sexuality in Zen in the same, so I'm really intrigued by that. And there is a bunch, I mean, there's a lot of Zen Buddhism that's very anti sex, uh-huh. that's yeah. very rigid, know, very completely rigid, puritanical yeah. and rigid and mm-hmm. weird. So mm-hmm. it's not even Zen, it's mm-hmm. him, yeah. it's this guy, yeah. you know, it's yeah. his approach. And, and I think the more, for me, the more role models I can find historically and in contemporary society of that, mm-hmm. the easier it is. To then, because uh, you know, like anything else that you want to be, you need to have some kind of model that then you copy, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, oh, that gives me an insight of, oh, this feels right. I, but if you just feel it and you don't have a model of people actually behaving that way, it's kind of hard to manifest mm-hmm. because you're just sort of groping in the dark trying to f- find your way. Mm-hmm. Whereas in these ways, like, oh, I like that. I mm-hmm. don't want to copy it exactly. I'm not that guy, but it gives me good ideas. Mm-hmm. It gives me a good uh, sense of. He lays out a map of how to be that way, mm-hmm. you know? So anytime I can find... Uh, I want at some point to do a history on fire on EQ because mm-hmm. uh, so much of history is battles and wars. And yeah, bring and in that. the sex. But exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, I want to do an EQ one. It's going to sure. be tricky because it's... Your listeners are going to love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I should be juicy. Um, I, I want to... So... Um, I want to talk about sex work a little bit and mm-hmm. I wanted to know your opinion. So I've always heard of it as the oldest... Mm-hmm. profession in the world mm-hmm. as a historian do you agree with that well clearly it must be the second oldest profession because somebody else must have some other resources to trade for it that's true right? yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that, there you go you yeah you to have to have something to give right. otherwise it wouldn't be work you'd just be having sex for exactly yeah. mm-hmm. so there has yeah. to be yeah probably the second one of the oldest, oldest yeah uh-huh. right? yeah but i think it's um also a lot of it it depends on how you characterize it mm-hmm. because in some cases there's um like, there are cultures where there are, oh, that's not sex work. That's just somebody with, for example, a woman with lots of boyfriends. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. just happen to give lots of gifts. And yeah. there's that part of, so it's not necessarily seen that way. Even mm-hmm. though from an outside, like from our society, maybe seen that way. It's not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I think to me is, uh, I guess, going back to your first time sex mm-hmm. type of idea. As a guy, that's what I imagine as my ideal scenario to be would have been 13-year-old, 14-year-old, you are introduced to your hooker teacher Mm -hmm. who's sweet, who's nice, Mm -hmm. but he's not, you're not in love, he's just somebody that you click with, Mm -hmm. that you like, that you're attracted to, Mm -hmm. and they show you the ropes and make you comfortable and help you become more more comfortable with yourself, with Mm -hmm. your sexuality, with everything else. And then it's kind of like... You know, if you want to learn how to drive, you need to learn how to drive. If you want to learn anything else, it's like, why is sex any different? Why yeah. is it not something that is like you do in a contest that is relaxed, is pleasant, is mm-hmm. not weird, but it's not about, you know. To me, I think one thing that I dig about the concept of sex work is separating 
sex from love, mm-hmm. right? Which sound to many people is like, just if you say that, it sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean you separate sex from love? It, it's all about that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Pleasure. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like... Connection. Yeah. The fact that you can then love somebody, that's great. Mm-hmm. And you mix it with sex, that's perfect. But it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know? Some like, of the best sex is not in love. It's, it's new and completely. it's exciting and... There's yeah, no strings attached. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think is we are raised in such a way that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. That that's not the way how it's supposed. That somehow, okay, and that's one thing that comes up with sex work a lot, is like that it's disrespectful. That you're treating somebody like an object. There's this idea, right? That, mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you're not treating somebody like an object. You're sexually attracted to, and you're nice to each other. That mm-hmm. to me is a key point. Is mm-hmm. You're totally nice to each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a weird thing. But also... Let's be real about it. It's about sex. It's not about we're going to share our life together. It's I find you hot. You do the same. Great. Let's play. Fun. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's, and for the time we share, we can be ridiculously sweet to each other. Mm-hmm. But there's a clear expiration date there, right? We're not making plans for 10 years from now. It's just here and now. And that's where it's at. I love this idea of, it's like sex ed 2.0. Like mm-hmm. It's not just in the mind and all heady. Like, okay, here's what you do and what you don't do. It's actually like, okay, now let's practice. And yeah. let's practice with a professional mm-hmm. who is well-trained in whatever it is that you're in. And let's find out what you're into individually. Yeah. You know, What types of bodies are you into? What mm-hmm. kind of play sounds good? Okay, let's go practice. Um, no strings attached, really safe, and learn about consent here. Oh, I, that would be awesome. I'm sure there's some people listening like, oh my God, the children, you know? <laughs> yeah, <of laughs> the children, you know, because of course that person, you, if you're talking about... Because people are starting to be sexually active at young, and of they I, they have had, and people think it's newer. They're like, oh my god, as time goes on, people have sex younger and younger. Like, no, 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 it's been going on for a long time. Of Still going on all, all over the world, with people having sex very much younger than American mm-hmm. culture. Um, and if those people ha- were able to learn from someone that was obviously a little older, mm-hmm. which is just like so taboo, um, but you get rid of some of the air, and you'd really help them, like that confidence piece yeah. too. And I think, I mean, I understand it's a very delicate balance mm-hmm. because, of course, the potential for abuse of that scenario is humongous. Of course. Right? The potential and it will never go perfectly. Yeah. Completely. Nothing does. So go. the odds are, if you are to create a system like that, there will be some people who would benefit tremendously and it would mm-hmm. help their life a lot. And other people would end up in some weird dynamic that really freak them out and traumatize them. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that this would be the perfect thing for everybody. It's not. Of course. Yeah. There's definitely potential for things to go wrong. There's all of that. Mm-hmm. But... And never mind the fact that, you know, when you think about your sex at courses or even your high school teachers, mm-hmm. it's like the idea of them sexually is like, yeah, not that, yeah, definitely not that. No, thank you. So it needs to be, if you are going to have something like that, it needs to be very much driven from the one person who technically has less power. Mm-hmm. You know, the one yes. who's younger and that they have to make the choices, they need to pick, they need to... Mm-hmm. It needs to be their thing. They mm-hmm. need to be comfortable, not somebody else kind of pushing it on them. Bad idea, you know. But if it's the other way, I mean, again, I'm not talking for anybody else because I don't know their experience and it's hard to imagine all the cases. But for me, 13, 14, holy hell, that would have made my life so much better. Me too. Oh years my Years and years yeah. and years of struggling, oh, stress, God. weirdness, shame, mm-hmm. stuff. And instead, you get that out of the way way earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life would be so much better. Do you know of any cultures that are have this practice right now? I mean, I'm sure there are. Of, and I feel right like I've now, heard of this. Right now, I don't yeah. know them. I feel um, like I have heard, so I just, there, I don't I've heard know. I've heard a ton anecdotally, nothing that I've ever gone deep and yeah. looked into. Yeah. So it's, 
Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I feel like I have, I just can't speak to it because I, mean, I do feel like I have heard a, some sort of structure where, and it's more, more in a tribal, mm-hmm. and I, but again, I can't really speak to it, but I think that it does exist. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, if our brains can conjure it up, it probably exists. So, yeah. I yeah, love and that's that. the other thing that mm-hmm. sometimes people are looking in the past for models, mm-hmm. and maybe you have them. Maybe you don't. It's good to kind of see what's out there, what did and did not work in different society. But ultimately, we're also talking about something new because the context we're talking about is new. Mm -hmm. So it's like, whether it happened or didn't, that's why, for example, we mentioned Chris Ryan earlier. Some of the stuff he says, some people say, oh, that that never happened. That's your idealized version of how the past was, blah, blah, blah. Now, regardless of that debate, whether he's right or wrong, who cares? Yeah. The point is more, how does that, whether it's a practice, a reality, or an idea, mm-hmm. can you do it now? Because that's a whole separate question. And mm-hmm. is it desirable now? Well, if it is, who cares whether it really happened in the past or yeah. not? Try it. We're here now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's like stuff like that is, I don't know, it's worth uh, entertaining as a mm-hmm. concept. I, uh, oh, sorry. Go oh, well, I, so, yeah, I'm... On the, on the, the sec- okay, the one thing that's coming to me that I hear from a lot of folks who have a hard time with, um, you know, say there was, you know, a man who wanted to be intimate with someone, but they're not choosing sex work because they'd say they need connection. So I have a two-part question for you. One, have you ever slept with a sex mm-hmm. worker or been intimate with one? And two, what do you think about that piece that if there's a money exchange, then that hurts connection because someone is always putting on a show to get something out of it? Yeah, you. I mean... Money changes the dynamics, of course. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like this idea that there has to be some kind of connection all the time. Mm -hmm. I think it's like, first, I'll tell you a crazy story. Like, first time I had an encounter with a sex worker, Mm -hmm. right? This was hilarious because the first, uh, what happened in that contest was so funny because the first, I was intrigued with the idea, exactly what we're talking about, the idea of separating sex from relationships mm-hmm. where it doesn't, and I always felt weird about kind of like the one night stand thing for the reason that I always feel that what people say and what people actually feel are two different things. Mm. So sometimes I can tell you, I'm totally comfortable with these things, but in reality there are 10 mm. different strings attached that they are non-verbally said. And I'm like, ah, there's drama, there's, and I think growing up, that actually is interesting. I just thought of it now. I never thought of it before. Growing up in Italy, in a context where guys tended to be pretty aggressive about stuff, I wanted to make sure I was the exact opposite. Mm. I never wanted mm-hmm. to make somebody feel weird. I never wanted to walk away from uh, whether a sexual or any other kind of relationship with me feeling hurt or feeling taken advantage of or stuff. So I was to the 10th power trying to be the opposite, right? Be the nice guy? So if I feel even remotely the fact that there may be something other than, oh, we are just having a pleasant one-night stand, that's it. I'm like, yeah, I'd rather not. Mm -hmm. I'd rather not go there. I don't want to... So to me, I always had more hesitance about that kind of stuff. And so I felt if I wanted to, if the idea was, okay, experience sex without all the attachment, I was more interested in sex work at that mm-hmm. point rather than some random hookup just because at least in sex work it's very clear what you're there for mm-hmm. it's very clear what the exchange is there are no no games emo- no games yeah. no weird emotional bullshit nobody's gonna walk away feeling hurt mm-hmm. again as long as you're nice to each other that's mm-hmm. good it's mm-hmm. like getting a massage you mm-hmm. know it's like it's very clear where, where it begins and where it ends so but still you know when um, the first time that 
started approaching the topic, I started researching, I started uh, prior to more recent laws that wiped out all the websites. There were all sorts oh, yeah. of things mm-hmm. about where you can go online. Find, and LA, it's the place for that. Of course, it's yeah, very accessible. But of course, the first time I was about to meet this lady, there's one part of me just flipped out, mm-hmm. right? I was just like, oh, shit. What am I doing? What am I yeah. doing? <laughs> what is this thing? I was just feeling like, <gasps> you know, just muscle stance, mm-hmm. everything, like feeling really weird, right? Because it's, because again, you don't normally hear a whole lot of uh, positive sex mm-hmm. work stories. They tend to be sordid, ugly, nasty mm-hmm. thing. That kind of is the image you got a lot. And... Um, met this lady, ridiculously nice. And I mean, it's clear what you're there. You know, it's clear that it's there. It's a money exchange. It's money for sex exchange. It's mm-hmm. where it's at, right? There's no... But the fact that it could be so pleasant that it didn't have to be just gross, like, okay, put down the money, let's go, get on with yeah. it, get out. It was actually a pleasant human interaction mm-hmm. where you're just... Cre- you're creating a one-hour connection, a two-hour connection, whatever. It's like... But it doesn't have to be weird, mm-hmm. you know? And actually, this is where it got weird. It's like, by the time everything was said and done, the, um, he are, you know, chatting afterwards and stuff, and uh, she was asking me things about my life. And it was a time where my life was not going well, to mm, put it mildly, mm-hmm. right? Where was drama in every possible direction, mm-hmm. and it, which I think it was part of why I went for it at the time, because yeah. I was, I had less to lose. Mm-hmm. I was more in a mindset where I'm like, Fuck it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know, Let's do it. It's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. What's the worst that can happen? It's like mm-hmm. everything bad that can happen pretty much happened already. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Let's. And so she asked me, and I'm like, I don't know. You really want to know? And I'm like, okay, fine. And so I started telling her a couple of things. And by the time she was like, you know what? Don't pay me. It's uh, You need it more than I do. Oh, really? And I'm just like, <laughs> no, really, come on. It's, yeah. uh, let's be real about it. That's mm. bullshit. And so we had this argument, you know. The, you, Over you her imagine, trying to have me so you didn't pay her? What? Yeah, exactly. Wow. You, have, you know, the, the image that you have of the mm. sex work is that it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. And that's, if any argument is there, is the customer trying to bring down the price, the sex worker being yeah. like, hey, are you kidding me? That kind of thing. Pay, right? me, pay me up front. Mm-hmm. And we're having the exact opposite argument where each one is like, no, but come on. It's like, no, you're, you're nice. You yeah. deserve it. No, no, no. You are not. It's like, I was like, oh, come on. This is the coolest thing ever, right? <laughs> it was like, it really, in a weird way, sort of, at a time that was really dark for me, sort of restore a feeling of goodness of life. Because mm-hmm. it's like in a context where if you ask 99% of people, they tell it's an ugly, nasty, weird mm-hmm. con, bad, bad, bad. I find in that context something ridiculously sweet and mm. pleasant mm-hmm. interaction. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it so much easier than the other aspect of it. The sex part is like the fact that you can just separate. Like you can be really cool, really nice, good people. And yet it's not about a love story or anything that's going to last. Mm-hmm. You, you meet each other that day. You're never mm-hmm. going to see each other again probably. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. And you can be cool and you can be cool with what you have in that hour physically. Mm-hmm. You can be cool on an emotional level. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, look at that. Yeah. You know? Now, I'm not expecting all scenarios to be like that. I'm yeah. sure there are all sorts of other scenarios that are less pleasant. Mm-hmm. But that to me was just, I remember it as a really formative moment for who I am as a person, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of how it made me feel about everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And in an odd kind of way, that kind of experience relaxed me tremendously. 
of healing. The, completely. Yeah. Healing, mm-hmm. Right. And I relax me tremendously around also women in general. Mm-hmm. Because inevitably, the thing that happens all the time is if you're attracted to somebody, you want to put on a certain face of like, I'm likable. Mm-hmm. You should like me, really. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and then you start playing games because you're not really who you are. You want something. You want them to like you. Maybe you want to have sex with them, something, right? Mm-hmm. So you are not really being honest with who you are because you want something from them. Yeah, putting on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't mean you're sneaky or weird, but you do want something. You mm-hmm. come from a place of need. That's where it's at. And instead, being in a scenario where it's like, okay, you know, if, I, if it's just about that, you can pick up the phone and go have sex with some really hot person that you're attracted to it now. Mm-hmm. So I don't need that from you. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come from... If we're choosing to have an interaction here, it's not because I'm trying to get something. If, if it clicks, it clicks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't need to... And I think that itself changed completely my attitude in... Uh, I mean, I never thought that I was acting that way, but then in hindsight, it's like, yeah, you kind of were. You know, mm-hmm. of course, you know, if you're attracted and you come from that place, you come from a place of need. That's how it is. It's going to... Even if consciously you're not doing it, you're still doing it, mm-hmm. you know? And when that changed in my life, that made my interactions with women in general very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a weird kind of way, I noticed that women started liking me considerably more because I wasn't coming from a place of need, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, look, I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I'm, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying this. If, if you're safer in exactly. that, yeah. And so it's like, it's completely, the whole approach is more relaxed. Mm. It's not that result driven. It's more like, yeah, you know, we take the pressure off the table. It's, totally changes things. Um, I just had, I, I mean, I would call it sex work. So I just, um, paid for a session with someone who is a body worker, but they will also do G spot massage mm-hmm. or like sacred spot healing. So internal work or work, work on the vulva. Um, and I didn't do that piece, but I was wanting to create more sexual aliveness. So it was like, well, let's take the vulva off the table, but everything else is fair mm-hmm. game. Um, and why, why? The vulva, yeah. um, specific request for my partner. Okay. Um, so my partner was 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 just like, and and, and they, my partner said that if I um, felt like a second time around that I wanted to put the vulva on the table, then we could talk about it. So it wasn't completely off. It was just for the first time to really feel into it, and yeah. it was also uh, psilocybin enhanced. So okay. I took um, yeah. a gram of mushrooms. And which was amazing, by the way, <laughs> to have this experience where the mushrooms really just heighten everything, all the sensations. This person is a, a world-class body worker, but it's done in this very shamanic way where they're mm-hmm. listening, just literally following a thread. And, you know, one minute my, like, my legs are in these crazy contorted positions where and they're, you know, deep in my inner thighs. And next minute there's a singing ball on my womb and he's, you know, right over my lower belly mm-hmm. and he's playing it. Over, and it feels like there's little fingers inside of my pussy moving right. around. It's amazing. Um, and so it had this very erotic theme. I paid for it. It was phenomenal. I left there so alive. I was like, ah! Right. And there was no pressure. Yeah. I, it was so relieving like, with my partner. As much as he were to show up and say, you know what? You can just relax. This is all about you. There still is this little voice to me like, but you need to be giving. Of and, course. But in this, because I paid for this, it, it really allowed that to just be, that's not even an option. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like, oh my God, this is like the ultimate surrender. Yep. And it was so... And it, it was healing in a lot of ways because I was able to just fully be there for everything. It was incredible. And I know that a lot of people don't have access to these kind of folks, but if you can experience this. And I think but that's the beauty of sex work is that 
the pressure is gone and all of a sudden you can receive. Mm-hmm. And that's not always on the table, even when that there's a conversation with a partner. You know, even when your partner's like, "This is all about you, honey. Don't worry." Yeah, it's it like still no, little voice. I agree oh, with you. or if, if I, or if, if tonight I'm not going to be the one given to you, then tomorrow I need to give to you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that little voice, I'm just oh, so freeing to get rid of that. Totally, and I agree with you 100% on that because that's exactly that feeling. It's mm-hmm. like I don't care. You can have the best relationship in the world, the best sex in the world. The fact that it means. There's a dynamic there where mm-hmm. the, you exist in this relationship past this moment. It's mm-hmm. not just about this moment right here, right now. Mm-hmm. So there are all sorts of things, you know, you want to care about your partner. You want to make sure they're okay. You're thinking about them. You're doing this and that and that. That obviously is a completely different experience from one where it's like you're there for one reason and one reason only. Mm-hmm. There's a very clear beginning and end. That's it. Yeah. And so it's mm-hmm. more about... And that really changes. Mm-hmm. You really... In some way, to me, it makes you more able to experience that kind of pleasure for yourself mm-hmm. without constantly be thinking about, what do I need to do? What do I... Mm-hmm. As long as you're cool, as long as you're not an asshole to the person involved, then you're good. Mm-hmm. Then anything that's going to happen from then on is good. Now, it could and help with the, the insecurities, too, exactly. of what do they think about me? Do they exactly. like me? Do they love me? Exactly. Like, well, it's not about yeah, that. Yeah, it's not about that. It's, it's not, not even on that. the table. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like... Yeah, the bar is set really low. Mm-hmm. It's just don't be a complete asshole. Yeah. As long as you manage to do that, you're good. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens after that is, is fine. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, that takes a lot of pressure off. That relaxes you. Mm-hmm. That And to me, it's like it's... And again, it may... For some people, it's going to work. Some people not. I've heard people who, for example, experience the same thing. And they're like, it's fun and all, but I know that they are there only for the money. And so I don't feel I'm it like... Feel good. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like... I think it was it a Game of Thrones line. I can't remember where I heard it. It was a great line where it's mm-hmm. like somebody, one character telling another was saying, you know, they only like you for your money. Mm-hmm. And the other one replied, well, good thing I have money. Yeah. <laughs> because great. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, but so what? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. To me, it's like, I understand it logically where they are mm-hmm. coming from. Doesn't make sense to me. Because yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, maybe because I don't have an issue. Okay, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's probably because I don't have an issue with the idea of being liked by somebody in general, mm, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, yeah, I know. You don't like some me, it's people, fine. And, yeah. and also I know that people, some people will like me, mm-hmm. so I'm okay with that. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I don't feel that. Maybe if you feel that if your whole experience, you have, you don't have an easy time having people like you, mm-hmm. maybe that's more what it's... Probably it's not even about sex at that point. Probably mm-hmm. it's more about having somebody who like you for who you are and then definitely you're not going to get it from a sex work session. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to be it. Yeah. Um, so that may be what the issue is, that somebody's there for very different reason mm-hmm. and they are not going to get it from that experience. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah I, I dig your stories. Like yeah. One gram of mushrooms. awesome. Oh, my God. I mean, it right, yeah. right? One gram or is enough yeah. to get you in a weird space, mm-hmm. but not really weird. Wasn't too you're much. Comfortable and yeah. You're like, yeah. You mean makes... the intention is to stay in the body, but have the body be super activated. Yeah. And it was a journey, and I will definitely be going back. It was just like, oh, And I, I, after that, I was like, I just want to be naked in nature. Right. And it's, I mean, my ultimate feminine pouring out of me, like out of every orifice of my body, it was like, oh. And, and I also felt like, well, I don't think it was like a lot of, you know, juices flowing out of me. I felt this like internal juiciness. It was just, 
Oh, it was amazing. And not to mention that this man that's doing it is beautiful. So that was awesome. Not then to help. But, yeah. had, but I still had no desire to touch them. Sure, sure. It was just like, no. And, and part of that was just like, I oh, know this is about me. You know, this is, and I'm going to relish in that because yeah. how often do I get to do this? And it was Love three it. hours. It was just like, oh. Three hours? Yeah, three Jesus hours. Christ. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Three oh, hours. Yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's wild. It was, yeah, I left there. My hair was just like the ultimate sex hair without having sex. Right. It was, I went home. My partner's like, wow. <laughs> looking at me like, well, that looked like, oh, I mean, just looking at you, it yeah. looked like you had a great time. Like, I did. It's amazing. And he was cool. There was no weirdness there with him. No. Like, you guys were, like, he was like, okay. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was definitely, he was definitely supportive. And I think if we put the Volvo on the table, then it would have been, Change. there would have been, yeah. needed more discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, he was, he's very supportive because my journey is to tap more into my sexual aliveness um, because I have a tendency to much, be a much more heady person. Mm-hmm. And so just, the more I get into my body, especially yeah. into like my pelvic floor, the the better. And so, of course, he's all on board for that. Because when I do that work, then I show up more connected and alive uh, with him. So um, it serves everyone. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, this is the first partner I've had. Because I do all these things in the, the realm of sexuality. First one I've had that... Um, I mean, he does, he, the, his work is a little out there too. I won't out it on the, sure. on the air, but it's a little out there. So, um, and he's the first part of it is really supportive and not threatened mm-hmm. by me talking about sex, by me going and using my body as this research project to discover things. Of um, and of course it's all works within our boundaries, you know, yeah. whatever that is, but it's wonderful to have that support. Yeah, so. I mean, that's not easy. Mm-hmm, no, like of course. Most people they get are, threatened. Yeah, forget mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You go back to the insecurities. Yeah. If anybody has like 1% insecurity is going to blow up in that scenario. It's like, that yeah. means you don't like me. Yeah. That means, What's uh, wrong with me? Exactly. I'm not enough. Of course, of yeah. course, of course. If you want to go have this other person touch your body for three hours, it must be that I'm not doing it enough. And, right. you know, maybe there is a little bit of truth of like, yeah, of course I want more of this. But it doesn't mean you're not doing it enough. It just means I want as much as I can get. Well, and also the thing is, one person is one person. Mm-hmm. They can be the most amazing person in the world, but, yeah. you know, if you are, uh, even physically, mm-hmm. if you have a certain body type, that means you don't have another body type. Mm-hmm. Now, your body type may even be more attractive to me than the other one, mm-hmm. but it, variety, right? Yeah. It's like you like more than one thing. Totally. So it's like it's not necessarily a feeling on anybody else's part. Yeah. It's just that you like more than one thing. Yeah. That's just where it's at. Yeah, it's like it's, diversify the experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you about uh, blowjobs, specifically because, okay. Do tell I mean, I teach blowjob classes too. And I'm like, why are we calling it a blowjob? It's very confusing for a young uh, person. That's an interesting title to put on your business it's, card. Yeah, I'm a blowjob teacher. Right. And, um, but then, you know, think of young people and they're like, blowjob, so you blow, right? Uh, you yeah, know, blowing right. on it. Very confusing. <laughs> oh, that's painful. But, so, and I was trying to figure out where does it come from? You know, there's yeah. like fellatio and the Latin term and all of that, but the actual blowjob. And so this is what I found in, in I, I think I found on like Google, so I don't even know if this right. is true, but it kind of made sense to me. And maybe, obviously, get your feedback on this. Um, I have no idea. I already have no idea. So it's going to be think, funny. Yeah, yeah I've got to go for it. So what I heard, what I read, up. was that um, it's actually about the bl- the blow job is actually paying to blow your load. So it's a job for like sex work. Okay. And the, it's about the ejaculation. That's blowing. Okay, so okay, it's blowing okay, okay. your load, gotcha. and it's a job because you go and pay for it. So it yeah. became a blow job. And so the, I mean, it, like, coming from you know years ago okay. from sex work, that someone would go pay to have this done. 
Um, and then it was called a blowjob. This is what I read. I have no evidence. You know, I have no, no research studies. About, no, I have nothing for yeah. you except that I read that. And it's the only theory that I've heard makes sense because I don't know anyone that's just blowing, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm sold. That makes sense. You like it? Okay, good. All right. Just wanted uh, to make sure. Yeah, yeah. I never heard of the origin of the term. So yeah. that's why I was like, yeah, I have no clue. But yeah. that's a very. It's, if only, it's yeah. not real. It's extremely well crafted. It wor- yeah. It's it like, well, that works for me. I'm going to go with all it. the boxes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's one thing that uh, is funny too when you think about there's a chapter in a book by um, we had him on the podcast I think once or twice twice uh, Thaddeus Russell he did, he did this book called The Renegade History of the United States and all the chapters are about like his whole thesis about how kind of like moral renegades are the people who sort of push the ball forward and a lot of the things that we enjoy today mm-hmm. are have been started by people who are very much outside of the edge of normal society mm-hmm. so there's one chapter which I think is personally I find the best chapter of the book is about sex work right? mm-hmm. and he's talking about the quote that he opens the chapter with says, uh, In the 19th century, a woman who owned property, made high wages, had sex outside of marriage, performed or received oral sex, used birth control, consorted with men of other races, danced, drank, or walked alone in public, wore makeup, perfume, or stylish clothes, and was not ashamed, was probably a whore. In fact, prostitutes won virtually all the freedoms that were denied to women, but are now taken for granted. That right there, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that was like his best work right there, right? Mm-hmm. That right there, that initial passage is like, whoa, whoa. yeah, mm-hmm. okay, let's read the rest. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I think it was an article, I was looking for the quote right now, it's slightly different, but basically he framed, uh, it was another quote of his very similar to this, where it goes like in a series of uh, sort of a similar list in terms of freedoms mm-hmm. that people enjoy today. And he says, okay, if you enjoy this, 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 and this, and this, you can thank a sex worker because mm-hmm. that's how it all started oh because it came right? from that yeah uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. and so specifically when it comes to oral or to oral sex he was saying now there was basically primarily a sex work thing uh-huh. that that's how not shared between married partners or, or absolutely. yeah absolutely uh-huh. uh-huh. then there was uh, I mean forget especially when you're talking about late 1800s where it's like a Victorian mm-hmm. era and there's degree of brutishness is on the rise mm-hmm. dramatically there's actually, I, I go into in some of, uh, that's the thing that I have fought with in my history classes where I do try to bring sex into the mm. game to make it more, people always wake up for that yeah, part they, of the they lecture, sit up, right? Ah, of course, yeah. it's like, so one thing that I bring up is that around that period of time, because of the culture going in a very Puritan direction, the what typically happened was that men, you know, women would really be raised with so much bullshit baggage mm-hmm. passed on to them from when they were kids that it was um, that they were understandably freaked out by mm-hmm. sex you know they were told that there was no discussion of sex if there was a discussion it was always in a negative term was mm-hmm. always seen uh, the only reason why you do it is to have cute babies close mm-hmm. your eyes it will be over soon and mm-hmm. then you can enjoy this the is not for babies. you yeah. definitely mm-hmm. not anybody who enjoy it it's mm-hmm. you're yeah. a horrible and terrible person mm-hmm. definitely good girls don't enjoy that kind mm-hmm. of stuff right so most women would grow up pretty freaked out about mm-hmm. sex, right? And it would be primarily, uh, okay, have sex, have the babies, be done, right? Most men who kind of sometimes got the same message, but there was also more of a boys will be boys attitude. So there was uh, much more tolerance for stepping outside those rules for men than there was for women. Most men would have sex with their wives for having cute babies, mm-hmm. but for good sex, they would go to sex workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's kind of how the whole thing was. So things like coral, totally, that was a sex worker thing. There yeah. was not a, 
regular behavior that mm -hmm. people would go for. Yeah. Or at least, I mean, it's always hard to tell because what people do Actually and what reported. people report yeah, are yeah. two very different things. So who knows what really happened? But based on the evidence, it looks like it was definitely much more of a sex work thing than a regular behavior thing yeah. because there was so much stigma. So especially non-procreative sexuality, ooh, big mm -hmm. at that point. Oh yeah, you can't make babies out of that. You shouldn't. You're not supposed that, to do exactly, that. Exactly, precisely. Mm -hmm. So there, I think, was the mentality, which is again funny when you think today that things that were very taboo and only allowed within the context of sex work, mm -hmm. not a million, not years very ago, long ago, like yeah, hundred, yeah, hundred years ago, uh -huh. hundred fifty years ago, somewhere in that ballpark, mm -hmm. is now like a normal foreplay or yeah, regular like practice, completely normal, uh -huh. and it's like, yeah. and I think that's why why his stuff came to mind because it's like, yeah, if you enjoy that. Yeah. Thank a sex worker. Yeah. Thanks, that's sex our, worker. Exactly. All right. That's our, yeah, people got to get their dicks up, you know. So. <laughs> like, but, but if you think about it, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Very, you know, you think about the physical event. Mm -hmm. It's pretty straightforward. It is what it is. There's nothing particularly weird about it. Mm -hmm. But yet the, the culture, how the culture can change even really quickly. How yeah. today, again, pretty normal. I mean, again, there's lots of people have weird hang-ups about sex in general, but still. As far as sexual behavior goes, yeah, pretty normative. You have it just not that long ago. Mm -hmm. There have been monstrously scandalous, mm -hmm. right? It would have been something that's like, no way in hell a good woman does that. Yeah. That's what the sex... It's like, man, that tells you something about the power of culture to uh -huh. shape individuals. Mm -hmm. The fact that... I mean, it's the same thing. It's like... You, you don't have to go far. 150 years ago, 200 years ago, being against slavery would have been weird, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You would have been like, what? Yeah. You're against? You don't want to have slaves? What's wrong with you? Yeah. You know, what's the... Mm -hmm. And today, I mean, unless you are like the 0.01% of some freak out there, nobody would say, yes, slavery mm -hmm. is cool. You know, it's like, yeah. it's pretty accepted that... So to me, it's always... I guess it's not a very good view of human nature in there, but the way I see it is that most people are like trained donkeys, you know, they see the carrot in front and they go with it. If the social consensus is that a certain thing is good, yeah, the majority yeah. of people follow. If it's bad, they fo you, you need a critical mass to make the switch for mm -hmm. it to suddenly become a normal thing. Yeah. But that initial process for the critical mass to hit, you're going to run into so oh, much yeah. resistance mm -hmm. before you can get there. And again, think like something like oral sex. Mm -hmm. Pretty damn basic, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty damn like... No, 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 no. Opposition suddenly maybe, maybe, you maybe, pass yeah. a certain threshold yeah. and it's like, okay, normal society yeah. accepted. Yeah. It's all cool. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's I just it's so curious about how that happened. You know, like who was just starting to bring it on the table and right. be like, you know what, this thing actually feels good. It's kind of cool. Let's start right. doing it. We can't get pregnant from it, you know, and and to have it just become a norm. Right. Yeah. You know, that it reminds me also of the word job. You know, in blowjob or handjob or uh, a lot of those things. And whether it comes from sex work or not, it still is implied. Yeah. And that is, that's another thing that's haunting people in, especially in long-term relationships. Like, it's a job. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. You know, it's work. And the, and even the title that we don't even, we don't really even question it. We just yeah. use it and don't really think yeah. about where did it come from and what does it imply. And even if we don't think of it as a job, still just, it just often is. It's this thing of like, I have to go outside of myself and give to someone. And I'm like, you're, you're giving pleasure though. Mm -hmm. You know, and to me it's a very, it feels like a very, um, selfish to just to go through of course you get to choose right you're getting a big no you don't have to go suck a dick right but it's selfish to 
Um, just say that you don't like it because it feels like a job. Now, if it feels like a job because someone's pressuring you or maybe they're pushing your head down or whatever, yeah, that is different, like, it's different. Like you're saying, but as you long have as bigger as problems than the sex act. Of it's course, like there's other things. Sucks yeah, in there's a bad some way. major disrespect. Right. There's some things to do there. And if it really is just the act of giving feels like a job, um, it, there's, there's so much work that you can do around that and also starting to question where does this come from? You know, where does this idea come from? And here you go. So from the book, Think a Sex Worker. So, totally. But yeah. I think in what you're saying that's really interesting is the, yeah, if the idea of giving pleasure to somebody mm-hmm. feels like work, mm-hmm. there's something seriously wrong in that relationship. Not in the sexuality, in the relationship in itself. Yes. It's like, how the, why wouldn't you want to yeah. make the person that you care for, that you love? Feel that good. Like, yeah. Totally. It's like, mm-hmm. Are you crazy? Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? It's yeah, what like, is this relationship based on? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, and it clearly means that there's something seriously wrong in the relationship to mm-hmm. begin with, where, again, it's not even about sex at that point. I yeah. would question three steps back at the origin of that whole thing about mm-hmm. why you feel that way, because something is off there. You know? Yeah. But, but yeah, the idea that that's a job, I think, you're, I think yeah. you nailed it perfectly. There is a connection there yeah. between the two things. The mm-hmm. idea that it was probably just a sex work thing mm-hmm. that then translate. Because, yeah, you don't have the same term for, uh, uh, for just, quote, unquote, the regular sex or yeah. just vaginal sex. sex people, yeah. It's like that's, Penetration there's, job. There's, there's, exactly. There's <laughs> yeah. no job part yeah. of that. And so the fact that those would be the... Mm-hmm. By the way, that's an English thing. Because I like... Um, there's a bunch of languages around the world from what I heard from people that like, I, I, I'm kind of vaguely remember it, so don't quote me on it, but I do remember people from several different places where they were like, yeah, there's no, that term in English mm-hmm. doesn't really translate at all in some other language. Blowjob, so, Exactly. But would there be like some sort of fellatio or oral or yeah, something? Not really. Yeah, okay. exactly. It varies, of yeah. course, from place to place. But, but yeah, it was more something like, like that. Yeah, yeah that's a very yeah. English thing. Yeah. It's not something that I've heard elsewhere. So mm-hmm. it's... Uh, Oh, oh, that's, by the way, homework number two for your listeners. It's but, like, so we got uh, your masturbation fantasies yes, to yeah. enhance the the cumulative consciousness about fantasies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is come up with a better name for a blowjob. Yeah. Blowjob is terrible. It's name. terrible. Let's look at it. It's just... Uh, I can't get away from it. Though. When I teach those classes, I always start with why blowjobs are awesome, where I heard the term came from, why it's not, yeah. doesn't have to be perceived as a, as a job, and yet... I don't have a practice of using other terms. They haven't stuck for me yet. So I still say it, but I'm like, oh, it's just so awkward. Sometimes, I mean, some of them are just funny. And as long as, because I mean, of course, when you come up with a new term for something that Mm -hmm. people use, you sound weird and pretentious. It's kind of like calling your kid some weird, crazy name that is like, yeah, it's cute and poetic, but it's so weird that Mm -hmm. it's bizarre. So to me, it's like, I have nothing for a job, but like for uh, sex workers, which, you know, same, 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 like sex workers feel weird, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's very it's broad, bureaucratic yeah. almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other terms like hookers or stuff, they mm-hmm. have a weird connotation to it. So mm-hmm. I, I read somewhere this thing, I think it was an ancient Chinese thing, it was probably somebody writing a wild poem and it made me laugh and I used it ever since. Using, uh, referring to sex workers as goddesses of mercy oh, and I, I was like that. I that's that. awesome goddesses of mercy that's yeah. the so of course you know you're using it tongue in cheek because it's so goofy or sounding yeah. but at the same time it's like yeah I dig it yeah. it's more it's more more in line with how I feel than compared to mm-hmm. a sex worker or hooker or something yeah. I was like 
goddess of mercy. I dig that. Well, and that goes hand in hand with the um, the ideas about like the ancient tantricas and how mm-hmm. they were revered as sexual healers. You know, it was yep. this position that was looked up to. They were, mm-hmm. you know, goddesses of mercy because yep. they were there, very skilled, could show up and and sexually heal people and. Um, yeah, that's and the, and there are modern day versions mm-hmm. of as plenty of them. I, I mean, I know I know sex workers who are like, I'm a healer, mm-hmm. and I know sex workers who are just doing it for money and of are course. just into, for or they just enjoy or they're pro doms or whatever that is, and 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 even that can be very healing. So there's so many components to it, and yet um, because of what we're taught and the laws and all this stuff, it's just like it's not revered. It it really by but, the general culture. And I think it's why it's hard sometimes to generalize because, of course, when you talk about sex work, there is going to be a lot of, of like, course. the ugly stuff that people do. Tra- human it's trafficking. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it exists for sure, yeah. right? And there's a ton of nasty stuff in that department. There are a lot of experiences. So there's nothing cool about it. It's messed up. It's straight up evil. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, human trafficking, slave, sexual slavery stuff that's, like, ugh, you know, yeah. beyond horrible, mm-hmm. right? And that's real. Mm -hmm. At the same time, what we are talking about is also real. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's almost weird that we have the same terminology for the same thing. Yeah. Because you are, I think sometimes you can have, like I was listening to this guy was um, on some podcast and he was like a vice cop cracking down on sex work Mm. and all of that. Now he had a pretty good attitude about it in the sense that he was clearly the way he viewed himself, he clearly saw as somebody who was trying to help people and rescue them from bad situation, putting the ball in their court, not throwing them in jail, just kind of like putting the pressure on. But his vibe was, his sole experience was only the dark, ugly side mm-hmm. of sex work. Was mm-hmm. all the, it's all human trafficking. Yeah, all the it's all stuff. people who mm-hmm. have been thrown into it through abuse, through things, through that. They're not choosing it. And yeah. I'm trying to get them out. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I get where it's coming from and I completely respect the feeling. I disagree on the idea that that's all that is out there mm-hmm. because, again, that's from personal experience. I've seen a whole other side of it that's not that. But I think that's the problem that we end up using the same terms mm-hmm. to talk about experiences yeah. that have nothing to do with one another. Yeah, they're you know, very different. The, mm-hmm. Completely. The, Just throw it on one category. Yeah, it's like human trafficking is human trafficking. Yeah. The, what you are describing as the healer sex work mm-hmm. is like 180 degrees from that, yeah. right? They are not even... And I think it's part of the problem with language mm-hmm. and uh, like recently when they pass that law that like... Yeah, officially, and all, right, yeah. officially looks good, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, you're cracking down on um, sex trafficking you know, through websites. Mm-hmm. Websites that promote sex trafficking will be shut down. They can be prosecuted, all of that. Mm-hmm. Who will be against that? That makes yeah. sense. The problem is that because... A, the website owner would have to check on every single posting that's out there, which they can't do. So then they shut down the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So what they are shutting down is for every sex trafficking thing that doesn't go on that website, there's probably another 50 listing that are completely consensual adults. Mm -hmm. There's no weirdness. They get to shut down too because it all goes under the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Exactly. And that is like, I completely agree with cracking down on one thing. Yeah. I completely disagree on putting... Them in the same category. Exactly. They well, are not the, the same thing. The same the kind of the concept of like, okay, cars, right? They kill people and we're not getting rid of putting them in the same categories like all cars are bad because we need to get rid of them because they kill people or hurt people. Uh, and so it's, so you know, you know, sex work. Oh, there's certain aspects of like bad things happen. So let's get rid of it altogether. It's just is 
is not the answer. It's yeah. not helpful. And it's always going to happen. They're always going to find a way. People go underground. And of unfortunately, course. what happens is usually they have to go find ways where it's less safe for them. I mean, a lot of my sex worker friends are, we actually have done podcasts on mm-hmm. this where um, they are really, and also actually the people that do the work around sex trafficking are saying that because it's not online, they can't find the people that are human trafficked, right? They can't, that was their way to find the really yeah. young girls and boys that were being trafficked. And um, so now the people I know that aren't sex workers and doing it because they love it, they're like, what, I have to go like stand on the corner yeah, now? And basically. Yeah, right. it's, and, and that's not safe because no. when I was online, I could screen and I could, and there used to be, you know, sites where they had screening sites yep. for this and now it's just, and there still are things out there, but yeah, this general idea of like, if there's an, a certain component of something, we're putting it all in the ca- same category, there's a certain component that's not good or doesn't work, let's just get rid of all of it. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Helpful. Yeah, it's, it's that approach of like, oh, fire can burn, so yeah. we should outlaw fire. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, no, the, you have a good point to start, yes, and yeah. you completely miss the point yeah. of where you take it. It's like, no, that's not the solution at all. Yeah, it's like, yeah, fire can burn. Yes, there are things that are dangerous. Yes, there mm-hmm. are things that need to be addressed. Yeah, no, the solution is not a blanket prohibition, even because I mean, we know it from how many examples by now from. Prohibition on alcohol, mm-hmm. drug war, everything. Oh, they're still doing it. Prohibition <laughs> yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and the argument is not just saying, oh, these things are, you know, everybody should do crystal meth. It's great mm-hmm. for you. Nobody's saying that, right? It's mm-hmm. like there are drugs that are bad for you. Mm-hmm. Flat out bad. Totally. But prohibition doesn't make it better. You yeah. don't reduce the rate of addiction. You don't reduce the rate of consumption. You don't. You just create a black market. You create. So it's like. It's just an approach that doesn't work about anything. Yeah. Why in the world would you apply to human sexuality in mm-hmm. that way? You know, it's like legalize consenting adult sex work and then you have all the resources to crack down on the real shady, ugly human mm-hmm. trafficking stuff. Yeah, it'll give you more access. Exactly. It's it's so backwards. It's baffling. It's, ugh, yeah. But I think it goes back to the same thing. I think it's like there's this heritage of shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that keeps non- on going, passed down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different from the way it was in the past. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. It's better than it was in US 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. But it's very far from where in an ideal world we would be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very far from... I mean, I read stuff even among uh, not just, you know, some hardcore evangelical thing but like people who are taken seriously as you know public intellectual things like that some of their comments about sexuality are just like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ you got some problems yeah and it's like lighten up a little it's not that bad mm-hmm. I hear that stuff and I just instantly like what's your issues what's your mommy wounding what's your daddy wounding totally. like what's the stuff that you never worked on and that you're projecting into the rest of the world instead of doing your own work yeah. I mean when is that not the case when that's coming there, there's something there that has something some need or some hurt or trauma that hasn't been met or maybe a lot of it. And instead of uh, recognizing that and owning that and doing the personal work, they're putting it out there to change and affect everyone else because they think that that, you know, the subconscious somehow thinks that that Mm -hmm. will help them in turn um, is is just not the answer. Yeah, completely. I, well, there's one that I usually close a class that I do on. Um, there's one that I try to throw it everything just because it's fun and they get people going. But I do a class sometime in U.S. history, sometime in history of religions about the evolution of uh, ideals about sex in Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it gets pretty funny at moments. Yeah. And uh, toward the end, one thing that I jump into is the, like how it affects modern culture. Mm-hmm. And one thing I zero in is the word slut. Right? Slut. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, I mean, bear with me. I'm... 
a fob with a tentative knowledge of the English language. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little confused by this term. Help Mm -hmm. me out here. I'm like, so how do you define that? If it's somebody who's kind of indiscriminately giving sex left and right, Mm -hmm. so what you're saying is you're describing a philanthropist, right? Mm -hmm. A good humanitarian. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Mother Teresa of sex. It's like (laughs) spreading love. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a good thing, yeah. right? And it's like, and of course, everybody crack out because it's so weird sounding. But at the same time, yeah, I think about it. It's like, how did that become a bad term? Like, yeah. what, what do you even mean? Like, to me, it's like, I don't even need to know to the context of how you're using it. Just the fact that somebody is describing with a negative connotation, use the words mm-hmm. lot. I'm just like, I'm done. Yeah. You know, I'm out of this conversation. Yeah, it's this like, is not, yeah. That's just, our worldviews come from such different places mm-hmm. that I just can't relate. There's yeah, no room for that. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. That I, yeah, I love that. I, I always say, um, that like sluts, sluts are the best lovers because right. they're you know highly experienced right. and probably know a lot more about what their body likes and right. and there's less of this like oh I don't know this is awkward I'm confused um, and yeah and then there's that part too in like the reverence of it of like they're giving a lot of pleasure that's awesome pleasure helps the world yeah, like, you totally. think of the people that are um, you know, angry and ha- you're having a really hard time in yeah. life. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of them are not receiving a lot of pleasure. I completely agree. And if they did, yeah. they would probably feel a little different and treat people a little differently. And maybe they still have some old work to do that. I mean, it's not just around pleasure. And um, if the whole world was a little more slutty, then maybe the world would be a little more peaceful and loving. Too. <laughs> I was doing a com- they asked me to do a commercial for History of Fire for like a chewable Viagra. Mm. And I was like, oh, I've got to have fun with that. <laughs> so I went exactly the route where you're going with it. I was mm. like, think about how many wars, how much bloodshed has mm-hmm. taken place throughout history. How much of that would have happened that people be a little more satisfied in yeah. other areas of their life? Yep. You know, go back in time, pump with chewable via- Viagra a bunch of the angry dictators of the world would have been that angry or they'd be like eh let's go slaughter a hundred thousand people I don't feel it today I were rather our hangout yeah, I'm good hot. Yeah, yeah I just got laid this morning so exactly. I'm fine it's... chewable Viagra ending the world wars yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, uh, I'm sold that's a good place to go yeah. well, anything okay since we're doing a mutual release yes. we should mention where people find people, us exactly we do. so Please go ahead. For so yours. yes, for myself, I um, I don't do a lot of things, but I have a podcast that some of you are listening to now, and some of you are not because you're on a different podcast um, called Shameless Sex, and I co-host it with my dearest best friend April. Um, as I said before, she is stuck in a masturbation sleep booth as we speak. April, we love you. Oh, the booth. The booth, yeah. She's inside of the sleep. Yeah, it's vibrating around her. It's very pleasurable. Um, So you can find Shameless, you can go to shamelesssex.com and we're also on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Just look up Shameless Sex uh, and you can subscribe there and we're also on Instagram. You can find Shameless Sex there as well. Um, I also have an adult store called Pure Pleasure Shop. Um, so you go to, well, Pure Pleasure, you can go to purepleasureshop.com. Um, and for our listeners, you know that you get 15% off if you use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps. And I believe those are my best ways to find me. What about you? Sweet. So I uh, host two podcasts, one, The Drunken Taoist, where we're doing this mutual release of like on both feeds. So Drunken Taoist is more uh, for those of you who are listening on the shameless sex side. Drunken Taoist is, um, we do two episodes a month typically. One is an interview with discussion kind of what we're having now. Mm-hmm. Another one is just uh, me and my co-host, Retrievers, chatting about life, the universe and everything. Doesn't have a single theme. It's kind of like whatever we're in the mood for. So mm-hmm. we life at 360 degrees. 
the other one that I run is uh, History on Fire, and that just me narrating some history in epic fashion. I'll zero in on one topic and usually run either one or two or three episodes of a series and just get to all the juicy detail, try mm. to make it epic so that you're at, at the edge of your seat and that's, that's mm. history on fire. Uh, both of them, I mean, again, sometimes when, when we do these things at the end of podcast, like where people can find mm. it's like, yeah, there's Google. It's yeah. pretty easy. Google you know? me and I'm exactly. there, yeah. Uh-huh. Like there's, uh, so that all the other stuff is easily found that way. And you, you're an author too, right? Yeah. 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 I what wrote, is uh, wrote a few books. I wrote four books. Okay. Uh, so yeah, those are, again, it's Just like, Google me. Exactly. Yeah. The gods of Google will be good to you. Yeah. I love the way you say drunken. Drunken. <coughs> Sorry. Your, yeah, your partner was saying, because a- April on our podcast, she, um, we have this thing where if people make a request, when we ask them to do reviews on iTunes, they can request an accent. I don't even think she tried Italian yet. Um, some oh, of them on. she nails, but she's. Mm-hmm. And so people say, "I like this in a German accent." She can always do German, but your partner was like, "April should listen to this, and then she can learn how to do an Italian accent." So, yeah, so maybe after, this will inspire after her. After this episode, and yes. we want on the next episode, mm-hmm. we want her going into a full uh, yeah. Super Mario kind super of Super Mario. <laughs> right. That's it. Just the super go Super Mario, April. By the way, I'm confused. Though. What accent? I have no. I know. Accent. No, you're I not at all. I don't yeah. either. I mean, isn't this what everyone sounds like? Totally. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.